Good morning. Welcome to all those who are present here this morning. Uh, Welcome also to those who are watching online or throughout the week as well. A special welcome to guests uh, and first-time worshipers, whether here or online. Uh, My name is Kevin Tabrake, and on behalf of Exeter Christian Reformed Church, we're glad that you can join us and that we can be together wherever we are. The numbers are starting to increase each week, and it's good again to see a larger group here in attendance as well. Uh, For those who are present, we ask that you please keep your masks on, and again, singing will be conversationally. Today, we also celebrate God's faithfulness uh, through providing elders and deacons as we welcome three incoming office bearers, and then we thank three outgoing office bearers as well. And we'll have the ordination of the newly uh, elected office bearers later in the service. So this morning, we are also blessed to have participation from children, and our call to worship this morning is shared with us by Alana. Good morning. My name is Alana. Our call to worship is Psalm 66, verses 1 to 2. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praises glorious. Thanks, Alana. And let us respond with singing, Lord, our Lord, your glorious name. Excellent in all. 
Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you've gathered us together as your people again today. We thank you that you are our God and that we are your people and you continue to be faithful to us and to your church. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is present among us and in us. And may we be obedient to you and to your spirit as we worship this morning. May our worship be a blessing to one another and to you. Bless the singing, the many who are participating behind the scenes or in the pews or at home. Bless the readings and your word and the succession of leaders through elders and deacons. We thank you for all that you give to us and for all that you are to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When your computer doesn't work, it really messes you up. (laughs) But we're going to sing all to us.
together. Lord Jesus, you are all to us. And yet we're not able to and often don't give our all to you. Father God, we come before you in this time to confess our sins before you and before one another. And we acknowledge that our sins brought death to your son. And we confess the things we've said or done wrong and the things that we have not done when you called us to do them. We confess that we are not always open to the working of your Holy Spirit in our lives when the Spirit calls us to proclaim that Jesus is Lord of our life. Or when the Holy Spirit provides us the fruit of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit graces us with gifts to be used for your church and for your people. Forgive us for all our sins. Forgive us when we fail to forgive others as you've forgiven us. Forgive us when we take your grace and your forgiveness for granted. Forgive us for not showing grace and love to others, whether in our families or in our churches or in our communities. Jesus, teach us every day to love and to serve, to cherish and to protect those with whom you have put into our path, with whom we are in relationship with. Teach us to love our neighbor. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We hear words of assurance from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18 where we hear these words, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be wool. God extends his grace to his people. That on account of Jesus Christ's once and for all sacrifice on the cross, our sins, as dirty as they may be, they are cleaned and they are white as snow. God has forgiven us for all our sins. What a gift, what a blessing. What unconditional love, what amazing grace. What a beautiful name we have in Jesus. Let's respond with those words. name it is 
nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever God you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. It is the name of Jesus. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be here to be able to tell you the story. And we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and the story I'm going to tell you is about a little girl and one of her gifts. It was uh, the year my daughter, was, Rebecca, was in grade two. We were going to the parent-teacher's interview, which makes people in nervous, parents and students alike. But the teacher said to us, she said, Rebecca is a real leader. The grade twos were asked to put on a play, and Rebecca was there. She was organizing the props. She was organizing her fellow students. She was encouraging them, and they put together a really good play. Well, we just laughed, and we said, Becca is bossy. <laughs> but if you really think about it, there's some truth in that. If Rebecca uses those gifts of organization and encouragement and vision for that final product, if she used it to make herself the star of the show, she certainly would have been bossy. And that wasn't the way to use her gifts. But she used those gifts for everyone. So everyone felt part, and they had a great production together. She used that gift 
for her community and her classroom. And that's what the message is about today. We are all given those gifts. And I want children, I want you to really listen to that. Each one of us is given a gift by the Spirit and by God. And we're to use those gifts for his glory, but also for his community. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, thank you so much for the children, the children that are here in church today, the children at home that are listening now or will listen later. Dear Lord, we thank you for them and what they bring, the joy and energy they bring to us here in church. Thank you for the gifts that you have given those children, and we're excited to see where those gifts will bring them within this church and within the world and community you have given us. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless the rest of the service, and we thank you for the time that we can spend together. Amen. Again, praise team for leading and Jonas for the children's message and using your gifts as well, as we're going to be talking about later in the service as well. Over these past few months, though, congregation, uh, we've been going through passages relating to the uh, working of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is involved in uh, many of our personal lives, of course, but also in the corporate life, the life of the church. And one thing that we have heard several times throughout these weeks is that the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And then we will be used by the Spirit to point others to Jesus. So today we read from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. And again, this is speaking on spiritual gifts. And we refer to gifts that are given to believers. But these gifts have the adjective spiritual in front of them. The Holy Spirit graces God's people with spiritual gifts to be used in the church, in the body of Christ, and for the common good. Our gifts are to point us and to point others to the works of Jesus. Our gifts are to give glory to God. And as we read this passage this morning, you will be reminded that every single believer has at least one gift, and likely more. And these gifts are distributed to us by the one Holy Spirit. They are spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit graces each believer with a spiritual gift to be used in the church. 
Now, if there's one thing, and I think we've learned many things, but if there's one thing that we've learned through COVID-19 is that the church is way bigger than just what goes on in this building, right? The people comprise the church. The church is wherever the people are. And that means our spiritual gifts are being used in many places in this building, in our lives, in our homes, in our communities. And they're being used for the growth and the purpose of the church. The Holy Spirit will be present in the people. The Holy Spirit will grace people with spiritual gifts to be used in the church wherever the church is sent. So again, as we read from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, let's uh, come to God in prayer. Holy and almighty God, we cannot confine you to a building. You're much bigger than that. And so when you give good gifts to us, we can expect to do big things as well through your power and your spirit. And we don't only do those big things in this building, but wherever you send us as your church. Bless the reading of your word this morning as we hear and understand how we may respond. Lord, wherever we are, we know that you are there with us. And we pray your blessing upon us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Computer's out of here. Back to paper. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. We read these words. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, and that's going to be our focus verse this morning. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. So we mentioned a few gifts here. Of all the gifts that were mentioned in this passage, which one of these would you choose to be gifted with? That might sound like an interesting question, and possibly even more so, some interesting answers may come from that. But the reality is that really you don't choose. The Holy Spirit chooses for you. The Holy Spirit will gift you with with the will grace you rather with the gift. The Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as He determines. And again, this distribution of gifts is, is not for your own glory or for you to shine. 
this gracing of the gift is for the common good. Again, this morning we focus, as we mentioned, on verse 7. Now to each one of them, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And as we are going through the sermon series of the Holy Spirit, again, you may have noticed a couple uh, recurring themes. One theme, which I already pointed out earlier this morning, is that the Holy Spirit points us to see Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to point God's people towards Jesus and to what Jesus has done for his people. But the second theme that has been coming out in these passages is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. It's not primarily for our own benefit. Rather, it's for the benefit of the other. Last week, we heard a message on the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that's given us to us by the Holy Spirit, so that we can love our neighbor. Now, we might selfishly think that's just not that fair. I'm being blessed. I'm being gifted. I'm being graced by the Holy Spirit. I'm the one taking the risk. And I'm doing this for somebody else? Yes, But let's also put it in another perspective. Because if the Holy Spirit has given you the fruit of the Spirit, as we talked about last week, or if the Holy Spirit has given you gifts, as we're talking about this week, whatever the Holy Spirit gives to you is for the benefit of the other. And whatever the Holy Spirit gives to the other is for the benefit of you. So nobody is getting ripped off. We are all being blessed by the other, providing that we are being obedient to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. Well, if there's another thing that we've learned from COVID, and perhaps some may disagree with me on this, that's fine. I mean, especially the conspiracy theorists. But things such as wearing masks, getting vaccinated, and even being locked down are and were all necessary. All these things were being done primarily for the other. COVID taught us to do things or not to do things, such as being locked down, for the other person. Wearing a mask is not for your own benefit. Rather, it is for the benefit of the other person. And somebody else who's wearing a mask is wearing that mask for the benefit of you. So you see what's going on here? The things that we do are often not for ourselves. They are for the benefit of the other. And if the church continually lived by this biblical principle, oh, let's call it love your neighbor, then what a powerful body the church would be. We work together using our gifts for the other. It was the Daytona 500, and um, one driver professionally maneuvered his car around the corners and around the other race cars, and he, here he was in this last lap, and he was a half a car length ahead of the second place person, and coming into the final stretch, he won the race. And after some time in the winner's circle and being congratulated, his pit crew came up to him and said, yeah, we, we did rather well, don't you think? And without any thought, the driver proudly replied, We? I did the driving. 
A month later, at the Atlanta Motor Speedway, it was time to race again, and it was halfway through the race, and he was again in the lead position, and it was time to make another stop at the pits. This time, when he came to the pits, his crew was sitting on their lawn chairs, just relaxing. The driver was sweating buckets because every second counts. Furiously, he yelled at the crew, and their simple reply was, is it I or is it we? COVID has also brought us the appreciation of teamwork, especially those times when there was only five or ten people allowed to come to the worship services on a Sunday morning. I can be up here preaching, often I was, to an empty church, and I could have the most powerful sermon ever, but without the sound and the video folks and the many others who contribute to the worship service, all this preaching would be in vain. The whole service would be in vain. We work together using the spiritual gifts that God has graced us with for the common good, for the church body, for the other. We, we use our gifts together for the sake of the other. Well, the Corinthian church members, they failed to recognize that the church was about we, not about I. The Corinthian church had a misunderstanding about spiritual gifts. Um, the, the church was being led astray, actually, towards individualism. Individual pride made the people recognize only their own gifts and, and of course, using the gifts then for themselves. They were using their gifts for the wrong purposes. They recognized that, that there were those who possessed various forms of gifts, but these gifts, again, were for the betterment of themselves. It didn't matter what, whether the gift could be used for the betterment of the church. It didn't matter that it needed to be used for the benefit of the common good. And what they also did was begin to rank their gifts. They, they ranked one over the other. Some assumed that their gifts far exceeded the gifts of others. Each person assumed that their gift possessed was the most beneficial gift. They would have agreed that the visible race driver would have been superior to the invisible crew in the pit. And in the presence of what some figured was dominating gifts, others weren't even utilizing their gifts. Ignoring their gifts was intentional in some cases. And in other church members, they felt that, well, they weren't given the gifts. And that was fine with them. People, all believers, are given spiritual gifts. And these gifts are to be used for the common good. These gifts are not for us to enjoy as individuals, although it's okay if you do enjoy them, of course. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is for the common good. And Paul was teaching the Corinthian church that these gifts are to prosper the church. You know, far too often, the church ignores it when people commit the sin of not using the spiritual gifts properly. In fact, how often don't we even make up excuses for people? Oh, that person's too busy to serve on council. Oh, that person just began a business, and maybe we shouldn't ask that person to lead a praise team. Or they, they have four children to take care of. We shouldn't ask them to, uh, to help with soccer camp. Or that family, they, they spend time at the cottage. They got a new cottage. 
let's just not ask them to serve for the summer and maybe for the rest of the year. It's a sin to use a spiritual gift for your own benefit, and it's a sin not to use the spiritual gift for the common Lord, common good. We have to ask God to forgive us, Lord. Dr. Craig Barnes, in his book, Body and Soul, states that the Holy Spirit is more invested in the church than we are. And the Holy Spirit's investment is in the people. Furthermore, a German preacher who was killed in World War II, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, stated that the church is only the church when it exists for others. Again, we read verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Verse 1, Paul comes right out and says that being uninformed of our gifts is not fine. It's not fine with Paul. It's not fine with God. Because this is not the way that Christ intended his church to be. Paul bluntly reports that he doesn't want the people to be ignorant about the spiritual gifts. Ignorance and misunderstanding about spiritual gifts would lead towards an ineffective and and inactive and basically a dying church. Or, Or maybe the church would be living, but it would be just an organization or a club. So Paul sets what should be a diverse community straight. And Paul refers to these spiritual gifts. The gifts listed in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 in this morning's passage is not an exhaustive list of gifts. Uh, You can read about other spiritual gifts as found in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 or other parts of the Bible. What Paul does stress is the diversity of the gifts and again, that they are to be used for the church, for the benefit of of the other. So let's dissect verse 7 a little more. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation is something that is known. It's something that's being revealed, something that's being clearly shown. Manifestation of the Spirit refers to the Spirit revealing and clearly showing himself through the work of his people, the church. The work of the Spirit is made manifest or revealed through the people in the church. The work of the Spirit will be revealed, well, will not be revealed, though, if the people are not being obedient to the Spirit. The Spirit makes himself known or is revealed through the diverse gifts, the services, and the workings of the body of the church. And Paul emphasizes the Spirit's involvement in the life of the people in the church. And the Spirit is an active spirit in the church. And this is somewhat in contrast to what Paul says about the pagan idols when Paul says these idols are just mute. They're inactive. They're not, they're not saying or doing a thing. They're useless, the idols. The one Holy Spirit that Paul is preaching about, the one Holy Spirit is active through the activity of the people. The activity of the people, or rather how people utilize their gifts, has its source through the power of the one Spirit, who gives gifts to the people. You see how the Spirit is alive and visible through the lives of believers. It's the Spirit who manifests himself into believers and unites the body together. 
It's a spirit who fills people to confess that Jesus is Lord. The church lives by confessing Jesus Christ. And Paul state, continues to state in verse 7, okay, the manifestation of the Spirit, the revealing of the Holy Spirit is given to each one. And the word given here in this verse actually represents a continuous action. The phrase can be read as the Spirit is not just given once, but the Spirit is given over and over and over again. It's a continual source of spiritual gifts to the people. It's an ever-flowing presence of the Holy Spirit and and the ever-flowing presence of His gifts. Not only do we receive a continually working of the Spirit in our lives, but in verse 7 and 11, it reflects that each one has these gifts. These gifts are distributed to all believers, to each one. This means that there's no discrimination between gender or social class or age or race and so on. So whether you are 8 or whether you are 88, you have been given a gift. It's important for us to encourage and empower others. Paul continues to set the people of the Corinthian church straight by proclaiming that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the common good. We talked a lot about this already, the common good. The spiritual gifts are given for the advantage of the body of believers. We are all called to actively use our spiritual gifts for the common good. Again, for the other. It doesn't matter what season of life we're in. Youth, family with lots of children or no children, retired senior with mobility issues, we have all been given gifts to use for the church. Our season of life and our context will change. It continuously changes. So likely, our spiritual gift will also change with that season of life. But as the Spirit continually manifests Himself through the members of the church body, we must actively seek out and use our gifts for the purposes of the church and to encourage one another. Children, youth, young adults, adults, seniors, we're called to encourage. If anybody chooses not to fully use their gift, this results in part of the body being inactive. If the crew in the pit stop failed to change the driver's tires, if they just stayed on their lawn chairs, as awesome as that driver is, the race car would not have been able to finish the race. The Holy Spirit graces believers with a diversity of gifts to be used for one another to help us finish the race together. The diversity of gifts is essential for a healthy church. The diversity of gifts reflects that the church and her members are diverse. It means that the church is dynamic. The the church is a living organism ready to be led by the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And again, recognizing that the Spirit does not just infuse His power once and for all, but the Spirit continues to provide the church the church body with spiritual gifts. The Spirit creates this diversity in the body, and the body should never be idle. The body should be vibrant and and ready to be an ever-changing, growing community, always professing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, we ordain office bearers. 
And not every office bearer has the same spiritual gift mix as the other. I'm going to assume that Mike is different from Derek, who's different from Sarah. And you know what? There may be some overlap, and, but they will likely bring different gifts uh, than the, those of us who are already even in office, serving on council. And to be honest, it doesn't matter what opinion they may bring on various issues. What matters is the gifts that they bring for the benefit of the body. And together with the whole council, we'll, we'll have a diversity of gifts to be used for the church. And even the council, though, will not have the complete gift mix together. But then with the rest of the body of the church, we will together have what is needed for the common good. And together we'll be able to proclaim Jesus is Lord. You see how the Holy Spirit is again pointing us to see Jesus? And why? So that we can point others to see Jesus. You see how the Holy Spirit is gracing us with gifts? And why? Not for our own glory, not for our own benefits, but for God's glory and for the benefit of others, for his church. Again, the Holy Spirit has invested himself in the church. And the Holy Spirit has created a diverse community of believers that work together for the common good, that work together for the unity and for the glory of God for the sake of the other. We are a diverse community, a diverse community that loves the Lord and loves our neighbor. And we are brought together. We're brought together as a community. We're community brought together, called together, and held together by the Holy Spirit. And when a body has momentum, when a community, a body has momentum and is moving forward all together, using the gifts that that body has been graced with, what a powerful and beautiful representation of Jesus Christ to this world. You see, Jesus himself gave up his body for the church body. He gave up his body for his people. You see, Jesus did not die on the cross for himself. He died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for the other. And his church, his people, are to reflect the grace and love of Jesus. And we together profess that Jesus is Lord. And we together use our gifts and serve God and serve one another. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus and to all that Jesus has done. And as a response, the Holy Spirit will use us and our gifts for the common good. And as a spiritual body, we can use our spiritual gifts to grow the church and to represent Jesus Christ wherever he sends us on this earth. We are the body of Jesus Christ, reflecting the body of Jesus into the world. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for being one God. And through your one Spirit, gracing believers with spiritual gifts, Forgive us for when we do not use our gifts for your glory or even for the advantage of the church. 
Forgive us for being selfish at times. Forgive us for not thinking of the other person. And allow us to be open to the continual outpouring of your power and your gifts. And let's encourage one another in our gifts and let us use them for your glory and for the common good of the body. We thank you, Jesus, that you loved us and that you loved the church so much that you gave your life up. You gave your life for us. And may we respond in love and obedience to you and respond in love for our neighbor. We respond in love for for the other. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's respond together by singing, Lord, speak to me that I may speak. celebrate God's gift of faithful leadership for his people. And we joyfully thank God for elders and deacons who have served well and have completed their terms of office. And we praise God for providing their successors. In the office bearers of the church, we see the love of Christ for his people. As the Lord of the church, he appoints leaders to govern in his name and to promote the spiritual well-being of his people. And by his spirit, he equips these leaders so that believers may grow in faith, develop develop disciplined Christian living, serve others in selfless love, and share with all the good news of salvation. Jesus Christ taught us the, the spirit of true leadership when he said that whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many.
So elders uh, serve by exercising oversight of the church in Christ's name. Elders must provide for the true preaching of the word, instructing for faith formation for both young and adults, regular celebration of the sacraments, and faithful counsel and discipline while keeping in confidence those matters entrusted to them. And they must promote fellowship and hospitality among believers, ensure good order in the church, and stimulate witness to all people. Deacons serve by leading and equipping the church to minister to its members and the world in a rich diversity of ministries, awakening compassion, demonstrating mercy, seeking justice, and collaborating with God's spirit for transformation of persons and communities. In imitation of Christ's mercy, deacons teach us to love God, to love our neighbors, and to love the creation with acts of generous sharing, joyful hospitality, thoughtful care, and wise stewardship of all God's good gifts. To help them accomplish this task, deacons are to identify and develop gifts in both the church and the community. By adding to all this words of encouragement and hope, deacons demonstrate in word and deed the care of our Lord himself. And the deacons, elders, and pastor together are responsible for building up the church and building up God's kingdom. So today we intend to ordain elders and deacons for terms of service in this congregation. And those appointed to the office of elder are Derek Bakelar and Mike Sandwick. And appointed to the office of deacon is Sarah Verhoeg. To express your acceptance of these offices here in the presence of God in his church, at this time I ask the three of you to come forward and to answer the following questions. And there's pieces of tape designated right up here. You guys can stand on that tape. You can take your masks off if you feel comfortable in doing so. And I'll ask you a few questions. So the questions that uh, you are being asked and to answer before God and his people are this. Do you believe that in the call of this congregation, God himself is calling you to these holy offices? Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and life? Do you subscribe to the doctrinal standards of this church, rejecting all teaching which contradicts them? And do you promise to do the work of your office faithfully, in a way worthy of your calling, and in submission to the government and discipline of the church? Sarah, what is your answer? Mike, how do you answer? And Derek, how do you answer? Sarah, Mike, and Derek, our Heavenly Father, God, who has called you to these sacred offices, may he guide you by his word, equip you with his spirit, and so prosper your ministries that his church may be increased and his name be praised. Amen. Elders, Mike and Derek, you are charged as shepherds of the flock to hold firmly to the trustworthy message that it has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Be a friend and Christ-like example to children. Give clear and cheerful guidance to young people. By word and example, bear up God's people in their pain and weakness and celebrate their joys with them. Hold and trust all sensitive matters confided to you. Encourage the age to persevere in God's promises. Be wise counselors and who support and strengthen the pastor. Be compassionate, yet firm and consistent in rebuke and discipline. Know the scriptures and pray continually for the church. 
And Sarah, I charge you as a deacon to inspire faithful ministries of service to one another and to the larger community and to the world. Teach us to be merciful and to seize new opportunities to worship God with offerings of wealth, time, and ability. Encourage our opportunities for giving and service and use the church resources discerningly. Be compassionate to those in need and treat them with dignity and respect. Hold and trust all sensitive matters confided to you. Encourage with words that create hope in hearts and with deeds that bring joy into lives. Live as example of Jesus Christ and look to the interests of others. And in all your ministries, help us participate in the renewing of all things, even as we anticipate its completion when God's kingdom comes. I always get overwhelmed when I read this to you guys. I'm sure you get overwhelmed too. But you don't do it on your own strength. You don't do it on your own power. You do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. You do it with the gifts of the body. Then it's not so overwhelming. Congregation, I charge you, people of God, to receive these office bearers as Christ's gift to the church. Recognize in them the Lord's provision for healthy congregational life. Hold them in honor. Take their counsel seriously. Respond to them with obedience and respect and accept their help with thanks. Wholeheartedly participate in the ministries into which, into which they lead you. Sustain them in prayer and encourage them with your support, especially when they feel the burden of the office. Acknowledge them as the Lord's servants among you. And you too have quite the responsibility. So in a moment, those present here and those present online, you'll be asked a question, and if you can answer with integrity, you're invited to answer, we do, God helping us. So congregation, do you pledge to receive Sarah and Mike and Derek as you have been charged? How do you answer? We do, God helping us. Let us pray together. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling faithful and gifted people to serve your body, the church. And as Sarah, Mike, and Derek take on their roles, may you fill them with power through your Holy Spirit, guide them by your word, equip them with your spirit, and use them to encourage the body of Christ to take part in your mission so that your ministries in Christ's church may flourish and his name be praised. May they give careful thought to their ways so that their ways may be in line with your ways. Lord, we pray for them. And we also pray for their families. Because leadership takes time and energy and investment. And we pray that you will keep each person and their family protected and shield them from any evil and temptation. And we pray this only in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we have welcomed and officially ordained Derek and Mike and Sarah. And at this time, I invite you guys to... Uh, no, not yet. Stay there. I invite you to stay there. So uh, we also recognize the service um, and the time and gifts of those who have completed their terms. And uh, I'm not going to ask you guys... No, no, I will ask you guys to stand. I changed my mind. So Ken, Adrian, and Bill, if he's here, he may be online... Um, Bill and Ken, uh, yeah, you guys can stand for sure. Ken and Bill, he's probably online somewhere. Um, you both have served as deacons and cared for the physical needs of the congregation and the community. And we thank the Lord for you and for Bill. 
And um, we thank you for your service and your investment into this ministry and for your continued acts of mercy. Adrian, you have served as elder and cared for the spiritual needs of the congregation and community. We also thank the Lord for you and for your service and your investment into the ministry and for your heart and for your love for God's people. And all the office bearers, um, you know, all the office bearers, you have served over this past... Yeah, you can sit down, guys. Sorry. <laughs> all the office bearers have served this past year and a half um, with the restrictions of COVID, and, and things have looked differently. So we want to give thanks to all the office bearers for their creativity and their leadership and their gifts during this uh, difficult and different time of ministry as well. So we just give all the office bearers uh, thanks and we give our God a clap offering at this time. And at this time now, I, I, I will be uh, proposing, not proposing, I will do a blessing on the incoming, the outgoing office bearers and on each of you. So I ask you to stand at this time. People of God, may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord continue to make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace. And together we say, Amen. We receive Your blessing. We receive Your grace. As we walk in the light shining from Your face, may the peace that You We leave.